Thank you for listening to Interview with DJ Nocturna. I'm back with another guest. Um, I'm speaking with Brooklyn-based artist Ronan Conroy, who's joining me all the way from Brooklyn, New York. Thank you for joining me. Glad to join you. Yeah, and if, and if anybody's listening out there and or watching in the YouTube channel, please like, subscribe, and share. And uh, yeah, and comment if you like if you like this interview. Well, thank you again for joining me. Like, um, I really enjoyed your first release that I that was submitted uh, sent to me. Uh, big shout out to uh, to Shauna from uh, Shameless Promotion PR. You know, she does she does such a great job. Anyway, I, I do like that uh, the Double Helix song single that you released. Cool. Yeah, uh, great vocals. By yeah, uh, she, she's a very special singer. Really, Stevie Nicks kind of thing going on with her voice. Yeah, and and I know you you guys were in the band. Oh, yeah, quite a while ago now. Um, that must be maybe 13 years ago or 10 years ago, called Oh Halo. Um, you know, I first saw them, I was playing an open mic at Pete's Candy Store here in Brooklyn, and yeah. they were playing before me, and I really liked their sound. Uh, they reminded me of Love Spirals Downwards, kind of ethereal female vocals over this sort of gothy, dark sound. And um, I loved them so much, I started going to all their shows. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, um, they asked me to come join the band on guitar. So that was really cool because it, it gave me an opportunity to really start working with effects pedals and kind of explore different soundscapes. And so I think I learned a lot playing in that band, but I was probably trying to get us to sound a little too dark for their tastes. So eventually um, I left the band, but I definitely wanted Julie to sing on, on the first track on this record. So I was really glad that she did. Yeah, it was, it was a great single that the first single that was released from the upcoming LP called The Slow Death of the Love Myth, which I'm really looking forward to talking to you about. So you are now, I mean, I know you, you've been, you live in New York, but originally yeah. oh, you, you, were, you were born and raised in um, Dublin. Is it Dublin? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, well, um, I grew up in the, from the 80s in Dublin, but my family had lived in a few different places in Ireland. I lived in the west of Ireland for a couple of years, oh, yeah. and my family had lived in Kildare, which is kind of south of Dublin. But yeah, since the mid-80s, um, I grew up in a small town on the sea called Dalkey, which is very beautiful, kind of a medieval town, a lot of ruined castles and really nice harbors. And it was kind of cool, actually, for, for a kid like me growing up, you know, in his teens, being a little bit more on the brooding side to be able to put on the cure on my headphones and go walking around the town at night and walking down by the sea and just very, oh, yeah. uh, very quiet at night. So you could kind of get out there and just you know, be in your own thoughts, which is cool. So how did you how did you start out in, the, in music? So, well, I guess there's a number of things that really push me to get into music. Uh, my parents are both musicians. My father played guitar and my mother played guitar too. They both played guitar and my mother played tin whistle as well. She's a really good tin whistle player. And my father played a little bit of mandolin. So they were, they were kind of playing traditional Irish music and ballads in the house in the evenings sometimes. So I kind of grew up with music in the house and they would play, uh, my father played Johnny Cash or Chris Christopherson stuff when we were out in the car and my mother would play ABBA records at home. And uh, I had three older brothers and they all had their own tastes in music. So growing up, I'd constantly hear what they're listening to. So growing up in the eighties, I would hear a lot of new wave and Depeche Mode and The Cure and Frankie Goes to Hollywood and Madonna and George Michael. And then another brother was into Def Leppard and, and Mott the Hoople and some of the glam rock stuff. And uh, as I got a little older, then it was, you know, grunge and indie and Guns N' Roses and 
went to college and finally people started to introduce me to blues and um you know grunge and indie from the 90s and things like that so i was always getting exposed to all this music from an early age and i kind of you know, when I was a kid, I would envision myself singing, you know, I'd, I'd be, you know, I'd be lying down to go to sleep at night and have the headphones on and the radio and I'd be listening to, um, I want to know what love is. Remember that song from the eighties? Oh yeah. yeah. I, I'd be imagining myself <laughs> on stage. Yeah. I'd yeah. be imagining myself on stage singing this. And, um, so I guess I always wanted to get into music. And then one summer, uh, my mother loaned me and my brother, Neil, her guitar, and we started learning how to play some chords. And I think that's kind of what, you know, showed us that you could actually play and actually do this stuff. And I've kind of never looked back, but I'm always taking in new music and new influences. Um, so I love listening to your show and other shows, just hear songs that I've never heard before and bands I've never heard before that I really like, and then go explore their back catalog and, and try to support them as well. It's really cool. Yeah. And, and I know that you work really closely with, uh, you know, uh, her vantage grace, Charlie Nealon. Yeah. So Charlie Nealon was, he was in this, uh, duo called Super Butter. They're um, a producer duo. And uh, when I joined Ohalo, they were already planning to record an album with Super Butter. And at the time, I had recorded a couple albums, but I, I had recorded, um, I guess, I, I, you know, I thought, well, Bob Dylan records his albums as a, you know, a live performance. So you have to capture that authentic thing. And that's kind of how I worked. But then with Ohalo, Charlie would lay the the program drum tracks down and then start putting guitar and bass and synth on top of that and then the vocals and it was a different approach and at first i was like oh this this isn't quite the same but the results are so good because it allows you to really be able to go much deeper and change things and adjust as you go um so i love the sound of the ohalo album so as that uh, as i was leaving ohalo i had all these songs i'd written that never really fit Ohalo or didn't fit the listeners, which is a band I played in before Ohalo. And I asked Charlie, would you mind, would you be interested in recording, you know, working with me as a solo artist? And honestly, I had like 10 years of demos and I thought he, he might be excited about one or two and say, yeah, these are two, some good songs. We can record a single or two. But as I came into the studio and started playing him all these old demos, he started getting very excited about the potential and hearing you know, what we could do with this one and instruments we could add here. So he, he definitely gave me a lot of confidence and we started working together. It's, it's been, I think it's been about 10 plus years that we've been recording yeah, together. Like, since your since Discontent, even before that, I think, right? Well, I think Discontent was the first um, release, but I think it probably took us about a year, maybe a year and a half, I don't know, to get to where we had a release. The, 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 the body of work that I had, it kind of fell, as we recorded, it fell into three groups. There was the kind of Bob Dylan finger picking acoustic songwriting stuff that fell over here. We had, you know, the kind of grunge indie heavier distorted stuff over here in the middle, a kind of a mix of the two. So it fell into three albums kind of cleanly. Um, so I had this arc of those three solo albums that kept me busy for years. And then while we were working on that, I began to learn more about songwriting and um, the other albums kind of followed and EPs followed. But in, in parallel to all that, I was always trying to get the sort of more gothy side of me out, but it never really quite, I mean, there's overlaps, but it never quite fit those other projects. Mm -hmm. So that's where the Love Myth project started. I mean, it started when I was leaving Ohala with Julie recording that first song. And um, I kind of wanted to get an album that sounded like The Cure or like Love Spirals Downwards. And um, it just took I, quite a few years to kind of get it all down and find the right singers for it. And then I kind of held on to it for years because 
I just wasn't sure like when's the right time to release this and how could it be performed and does it you know does it really fit under the umbrella of what I'm doing so I had all these kind of reasons for not getting it out and eventually I just had to kind of put it out there and I, I still you know I have theories but I still can't quite understand why it's taking me this long to get them out because that first song Double Helix was recorded I don't know nine years ago maybe it's when oh, we first okay. recorded that song so it's it's been there a while but it really had to it's it's such a beautiful song it had to get out there so, yeah I know the album the LP is coming out uh can I say the release date yeah October 21st okay okay yeah so the name of that LP is called The Slow Death of the Love Myth. And I know you have a project that you just mentioned, The Love Myth. You know, tell us about tell us about how that what is that project about? Like, you know, and how it influenced the, the release. So the. The project was you know, there's something about the cure and love spirals downwards and dead can dance and autumn's great solace and and these bands that are very brooding and can be very dark some people find it very you know depressing music or what have you but for i think for other people when you when you're having those difficult emotions you know some of the more uplifting or poppy or have you know fast-paced music isn't really going to necessarily make you feel it's not going to resonate the same way i think this kind of music helps you feel like if your if your mood is kind of sliding down this mood can this music can stabilize you because you can feel like Mm -hmm. you feel less alone like this music understands you um so it's always been very special to me since i first was introduced to the cure um, as a teenager and i wanted to record uh, an album like that and and playing in oh halo was as close as i was kind of getting to hearing like a love spirals downwards kind of sound because they're around in the 90s and they don't really that doesn't really exist anymore that band i think they're called love spirals now and it's it's a little more love them too yeah. It's a little more upbeat now than it was back in the 90s. I think they've evolved away from some of the darker sounds. So I guess I was trying to find how to replicate that and put my own spin on it. So that was the genesis of the Love Myth Project. And originally I thought, you know, maybe I'll do an album of 10 songs and I'll have, you know, guest female vocalists on it. Um, but it actually proved very difficult to find female vocalists who A, want to sing someone else's song, B, want to sing goth or dark wave and see can sing your melody that you've written so trying to like narrow down the field to people who can actually come in and sing your song proved difficult um some people kind of came in and tried it it didn't work um other people came in and sang and found that well you know what i was assuming if i could write a song here then the female vocal range would be that plus an octave but that's not really the case there's overlap so often they couldn't quite get the re- the the melody so it was difficult to find the right people um and julie and shannon and susan definitely did their own take on on the music and, and came up with something amazing but the i think the difficulty of the project was finding the right singers um and that took a while but also knowing that it was it has overlap with the other music that i was putting out but it was different enough that i kind of agonized over it for a long time and i think that's the big reason why it's taken me this long to kind of get the album out but i called it the love myth project i don't know why just that's kind of how i thought about it in my head because it was a long-running thing that i kept working on and there's just a there's a few more songs that are probably already ready for a next album a follow-up after this one so i think it's going to keep going oh yeah yeah so this is the first release from that project the love Myth, yeah right okay how come it's called the slow death of the can you well i mean is i i love it i love the way it sounds and 
So I think actually I have to I have to give credit where credit's due. There was a band called Creation Myth that one night Ohelo was playing and they were on the same bill in New York. You know, when you get mm-hmm. gigs in New York, um, the promoters who put the shows together, they often just throw whatever bands together. So you don't know who's on the same bill. But this band Creation Myth, I don't know if they're still playing, but they had a kind of a very shoegazy goth sound. And I, I just love their sound. So I think it was something about the myth element of the you know creation myth and um, love spirals downward. So I think love myth, I think that's kind of where it came from. But when, it, when those words came together in my head as a kind of a single word, it, I think it just captured, you know, when, when you, when you fall in love and the relationship is, you know, starting off and all the chemicals are flooding and you think, you know, the world stops and this is everything is telescoped onto this experience you're having. And then, you know, maybe that relation doesn't work out. So you, you question the validity of those feelings that you had. Like, do you really know what love is? You were so wrong. And the next time somebody comes along that you you fall in again, you start to feel like, well, you know, last time I was wrong. So you start to question whether, you know, love is a myth and you start to think, well, there's like DNA within the cell of every organic being on the planet that has a computer code that's telling the gene to replicate. And that's kind of, you know, getting into kind of neo-Darwinian theory or, or Richard Dawkins stuff. But this, I was reading a lot of Richard Dawkins at the time and beginning to think, well, is love and all that stuff is driven by a mechanical computer sort of thing behind the organism. So all of this was kind of swirling in my head. Um, so I think a lot of my songs and albums would kind of look back on a chapter in my life or a period in my life or a relationship that ended or love starting and ending um, or trying to understand myself um, whereas love myth is really looking at, you know, the sort of primal fear of mm-hmm. how can we have a human connection and is, is love a myth? Um, so it's, it's very much mm-hmm. allowing myself to feel those darkest fears. I mean, it doesn't represent like the entirety of how I think about life per se, but it definitely, um, it, the album allows me to feel okay about facing, uh, and, feeling like those feelings are valid and not trying to say, oh, those feelings are very dark. Therefore let's put them aside. It, it gives them a place to really live and breathe. So that's, I think that's thematically the, the, it's the more I wrote these songs, the more that seemed to be what the album was about. So it's a little thematically kind of deeper, more surreal or symbolic or um, metaphorical maybe than some of the other music that it's kind of other songs are directed at a specific person or, or an experience a very direct relationship to a time in my life whereas the love myth project is is broader i think and more universal at least for me so this album which is coming out october 21st there's uh, seven tracks on there and i know you released one of them earlier earlier in the month or two months ago double helix yeah and, yeah. and, you, and then you just released uh september 27 it just came out this is a cover of a lana del rey song called dark paradise which i really really like your your rendition your version of it um i always liked that song i thought it was, was it's, i thought it was dark i mean just the lyrics and everything and the meaning behind it and this yeah, and you, yeah. and you you put a different uh, spin to it which i really like so tell us why you picked that particular song i i know you're 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 a fan of uh lana del rey huge fan um yeah. and i was late to the game you know i saw posters around the neighborhood of lana del rey for a couple of years like who's this person you know the 
uh, you get you get skeptical of the big mass production of artists and like who's this Lana Del Rey person. But when I finally started listening to her, I just got hooked. The production quality, that Nancy Sinatra voice, the way it kind of reflects everything that's been great about every female singer in America for the last 50 years, but with all of these other genres mixed in. And she seems to be looking back on on her life with this sense of jaded, um, kind of almost post-tra- post-traumatic stress of the way she lived and the debauchery of it. You know, I think some people listen to the first Lana records and feel like it's celebrating this fast life, but it's not what I hear. I feel like she's looking back on those fast lifetimes in her life and um, realizing the damage she's done to herself. And this is a way of exercising that and being honest about it. And as her albums keep coming out, there's a sense of her evolution towards trying to find who she really is. And I think that's a fantastic artist's journey. So she's she's really special to me, Alana. She means a lot to me. And I've seen her tons of times and her 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 melodic talent, her, her voice is incredible. I, I don't know why I, I chose that song. I think, you know, that album I'd listened to millions of times. I used to yeah. um, put it on when I was falling asleep sometimes. And I think that... You know, there's a few songs on that on that album and a few on the next album, but that one probably just yeah, meant something that. to me more at the time. Yeah. And I I felt like I could do it justice. And I I think I was I was hearing it in terms of there's a remix of um Depeche Mode's um Enjoy the Silence. I think it's a Mike Shinoda remix. I don't know much about him, but it's it's a remix that has a lot of heavy, distorted guitars and just makes it this much more gothy sound. And I thought, well, you could do that to this Lana song. So that's kind yeah. of the idea I had behind what I wanted to sound like. Did, did you find any any challenges trying to trying to cover that song? Oh, for sure. Her voice yeah. is just so her voice is so exact, and um, there's the the wordless uh, elements of it when when she says um, you know, lying in the ocean singing your song and then she sings this kind of like you know uh, this thing without words this little melody that kind of does this kind of corner thing and it's really hard for me to sing like that so I had many takes of it and was never satisfied with how it sounded so yeah, yeah trying to do her her voice justice I probably transposed the song into a different key as well to make it more comfortable for me. So yeah, I definitely felt like okay when I hear the original and I hear you other covers and I hear job. mine, I'm like, mm, yeah. you know, I'm very yeah. critical of my own work, as, as you can hear. I, I I like your version actually. Yeah, I really do. I mean, I can listen to it over and over again. Oh, cool. Yeah. So so this this seven there's seven tracks in this album, and I know you sing. And how many of them? I, I was it two or three? I know one of them is this one, and then. Some of the, the others are. I think three songs I sang on, and the other th- other four. There's two that Shannon sang, one by Susan and one by Julie, and then yeah, I sang on three of them. The reason there's seven, there's originally it was going to be a ten song album, but we we're going to put it out on vinyl, so you can only really do twenty eight minutes, I think, aside. I think that's what it was, or maybe it was fourteen oh, okay. minutes aside. I can't remember, but we had to we had to scale it down to fit the vinyl length. So we said, okay, we'll have to cut some songs and we'll do seven. Uh, but then so, when so the pandemic so the seventh is uh, the seven tracks is for the vinyl and then you, and then you actually have 10 well, did you say well that was the plan but then when the okay. pandemic hit and all the vinyl stores closed there was no oh. way to even do vinyl but by that point charlie and i had kind of listened to the running order of these seven songs we thought oh this sounds really good let's not expand it back up or at least that's kind of what i thought so um the, the fact that it turned out to be seven was kind of by accident more by intent 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's already three songs, kind of three or four waiting for the next follow-up. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Are you going to be releasing another single before you release the actual? Well, it's actually in three weeks, but let's go yeah. like mm-hmm. I can't believe it's in three weeks because, like I said, I've been sitting on this album for, you know, some of these songs for a long time, and now it's out there. I, I almost can't believe it. it's very surreal. But, um, yeah, there should be another single. I have to say I've agonized a lot over this record, gone back and forth, and, and you know, a lot of doubts and hesitations. And, you know, I think any artist, there's a fear that when you put it out, like it's done, you can't fix anything else. And will people like it? You know, maybe they like this song and that song, but then the next song they won't like you just all these things go around in your head. So the next single that I kind of chose is one called born in conflict. It's very different. Yeah. I like that one too. And I like love myth. Cool. Yeah. Susan's job on love myth. It's just, it's probably the, the most kind of upbeat song on the album, even though the lyrics are kind of dark as well. But the Born in Conflict song, it's a little different than the other two. It's a lot more, it's, I was kind of thinking about the albums by The Cure, um, the pornography album, where there's a lot of mm. drum beats that don't have a snare, just a lot of tom, heavy tom That's beats. my favorite album by The Cure. Oh, wow. And it's very claustrophobic and it's very like close. Yeah. And I was thinking, I want to channel that for this song. And there's a B-side of theirs called Fear of Ghosts. And in that song, there's just like these whispering voices that are very almost terrifying in the intensity and the emotion. So I, I was I had those elements in mind when I did Born in Conflict, because that whispering voice, there's like a two song mm-hmm. verses. And then there's this whispering voice. It's like all your worst fears, your your mind speaking to you and, and like being very negative. And like, I wanted to just capture that. And it's it's this, it's very kind of vulnerable and, and um, very exposed. But it's also, it's not as explosive and epic as Alana's song, and it's not as lush and shoegazy as Double Helix. So, you know, I, I think that's the next single, but then sometimes I'm like, well, is that going to, are people going to like that one? So you kind of go back and forth, but as it stands at, the, at this moment, that's the that's the plan. You know, I really like the video too with, uh, with this uh, sword-swallowing um, performer. Oh, yeah, Lorena the Thrill. Um, I've seen her perform a few times. She's very yeah. intense. And I just thought, wow, you could really bring something, an extra element to this record. And then Hypnodoll, who does who, the last two videos, she has such a creative mind. You can kind of tell her, here's what I'm thinking. And she will take all those elements and add her own take. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was, there's always a little level of synchronicity and, and coincidence that goes in there, too. Uh, when I told Hypnodoll I wanted to use this sword swallower, she's she um, thought about Three of Swords tarot card, which... Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. I love the tarot um, uh, in the video as well. Yeah, it's kind of like when, when, you, when you get the tower <laughs> and the yeah. Three of Swords. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's uh, that's a heartbreaking one. The, the tower, the Three of Swords, the Ten of Swords. <laughs> and the, lover, the lovers. But coincidentally, Lorena had had that Three of Swords tattoo on her arm just a couple of weeks before we did the video. So it was a, we didn't know that it was just, there's a lot of synchronicity and how it all oh, came together. I like meant so, to, to be. <laughs> yeah, That's, I think so. Awesome. So, so your band, you want to do a shout out to your band members. I know you have um, the guys in the, in the, who did the performance piece. I know you got some, you had Charlie Nealon, of course. Yeah. So Charlie, uh, you know, all the albums I've recorded, Charlie is always there ever present. So on this record, um, all the bass is Charlie. There's a couple of uh, tracks that he does the drums on. All the synth, synth and keyboard is Charlie. 
um, all the engineering and producing, obviously, is Charlie. Uh, and there's on Double Helix, he also plays guitar. Um, there's these big splashy distorted chords that come in towards the end, and that was him doing a kind of a Hervanish Gray style edition. Um, so Charlie's phenomenal all the way through. Justin Warbonski, I've been working with him for years. Um, I actually play bass in his band right now. There's a band called Demonic Sweaters that I'm playing bass in, and we're actually recording soon. Um, so he's played drums for me for many years on lots of albums, and he's on this album a lot too. Um, the drums on Double Helix, for example, that's that's Justin. Just some phenomenal fills that he does. And um, the three singers, so Shannon Brown, Susan Wang, and Julie Dictoro, all three of them, I'd love to continue working with them. I, I think since Ohalo, um, you know, we, we left Ohalo and, and they released an album after that. I'm not sure if Julius, Julie's still producing music. Um, so we're not really in contact, unfortunately, but, um, I'd love to, to work with her again because she's so talented. Um, and hopefully Susan and Shannon can, can work on some more vocals for me. But I'm also on the lookout for other people who have that kind of ethereal dark wave goth voice. Um, mm -hmm. So I think with the pandemic, it really shut things down in New York. I was just starting to hear some people oh, at yeah. gigs that I thought, oh, this person could work out. But that all kind of got put on hold. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting back out there and meeting musicians again and thinking about what might be next. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to the release date, which is, uh, again, October uh, 21. And uh, this interview will air on the on the 22nd, uh, which is the Saturday. I. It, you know, it, it comes out on a Friday, right? And if, if people want to, you know, reach out to you or check out your, I know you have a uh, RoninConroy.com, right? Um, yeah, I have RoninSConroy.com. I, I don't even remember why I chose S, it, Sean as my middle name. So I don't know why I chose that domain name. It's a little confusing, but there it is, RoninSConroy. Oh, yeah, thank I, you I, for... Well, I think Ronan Conroy probably redirects there as well. But so you could you can sign my mailing list on there. But also, um, there, I'm on Bandcamp and iTunes and Spotify, and I'm pretty sure on uh, on those places you could, there's a way to message. I know for sure my Facebook page and my YouTube channel as well. So you can definitely message me on Facebook. I'd love to hear from people if they have feedback about the songs or if a song when you when you hear somebody tell you that the song meant something to them or resonated with them or that they felt similar feelings. Like that's the most valuable experience for a musician, I think, is to know that you're truly connected to people. That's true. that's for sure. And you're also on um, on YouTube. You have a YouTube channel, and you're on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I love that. I love it when an artist has all that stuff. You know, because I, then I, I can tag them. <laughs> I'm I'm not on TikTok. I haven't quite made it that far. Um, it's, it's just you know, every few years is a new thing you should be on, and then that kind of fades away, and then it's another new thing you should be on. Know, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lot of work to try to stay current on everything. Yeah, I got a TikTok page too, but I I don't really go on. But I I should I should start doing that. I actually we we should we should all plan to do it like one day. Let's all do it, and so we'll actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah. Really hard when you plan things and you don't do it because something else comes up. But uh, yeah, I got to start moving forward and doing things. But but you know, that, well, congratulations on your on your new album. Gonna October twenty first is the release date. Thank you. And um, again, it is called the um, the slow death of the love myth. Is the LP and it's going to be on vinyl, right? You said that was original plan, but we had to put that on hold because okay, the vinyl stores all closed. Eventually, I'd like to, if there's enough interest, I'd like to do it. But we, for now, it's digital only. But yeah, I'd love to have it. I mean, the artwork was originally intended to be, you know, 12 inch format because it, there's so much detail in it that we yeah, had to scale it back yeah, for digital. Tell us about the artwork. 
So Shannon Brown, who sings on two of the songs, she's done uh-huh. my graphic design and my album covers for years, going back to Discontent. Um, mm-hmm. With Love Myth, this is a little different because normally I would give her photos or images and she would work with them, but this is her own fo- um, photography. And she had worked with the photograph and layered it and done all kinds of work on it to make it this huge tapestry that had so many you know, images in it. Um, and it's it's oh, so yeah. detailed that it will it will work better on 12 inch and i think she had to really scale it down oh, and take yeah, out layers yeah. to get it to look okay on the digital format because it's much smaller so i think eventually i'd love to do vinyl if nothing else because to have that full artwork again would be really phenomenal it's a very beautiful piece of work yeah so it's a it's a let me see there's two birds on the right is that the one you're talking about the, yeah 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 yeah, so it's, really it's cool. kind of bir- it's birds and trees, but they form like uh, you can kind of see like a, you know, a, a sort of a deer or antler, you know, deer antlers or a kind of a, you know, a goat's head yeah. almost sometimes or a, a kind pentagram. Of, and it's yeah, a lot of imagery in there. Oh, that's like a pentagram. Yeah, that's really nice. Or like human it. skull is in there sometimes. Like <laughs> Depending on how you look at it, it has a lot of like layers to it. So it's it's very intricate and very suggestive. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to the album release um, and playing them. Uh, I, th- I think it's a great album. I listened to a few tracks already. And uh, cool. thank you for coming on the show. And uh, congratulations again. Thanks so much for having me on. Really love to, love to talk to you so much. Thanks. Ronan Conroy. Thank you yeah. for 